0: It's betting, Jim, but not as we know it. Hello, Cuz, This is big. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All in running. Lift off. We
1: have a lift off. Hey, you! Get your damn hands off her! Send them home. Just send them home. It's time to go home there, ball. Son of a bitch, ball. Why didn't you just go home? That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Suck my white ass, ball!
0: Welcome to the Bashcast, brought to you by bookiebashing.net, betting at 100.1 and above. I don't want to pre-empty the result on Sunday night, but this is Bashcast episode number 164. You can leave your hat on. It is 2 minutes past 12 p.m. on the 12th of November 2020. It is the Thursday Masters Thursday. That's right, Joe. Which starts in 28 minutes time. Coming up in this afternoon's BashCast. Let's talk about how 2020 is wrapping up for me with a trilogy of unfortunate events. I wanted a bit of a master's preamble. This master's preamble better be quick. It starts in 27 minutes now. Ollie Watkins scores two goals for Aston Villa. As we continue to look at two plus, three plus goals and the game centre as well. To the break let's have an update with a little bit more information about that Fred casino farce we talked about last time if I had all of the facts perhaps I might have had a different interpretation of that story and we're going to end with a random number generator in Excel which is going to return one two or three are we going to talk about one the coronavirus vaccine. Two, the short list of holidays that I'm gonna to choose to go on in 2021, or three, a murder and dismemberment of the road from basher Tom's house.
1: You give me reason to live, you give me reason to live, you, me reason, to live. you me reason to live.
0: All of that and more coming up after Joe Cocker on the Bash catch. 2020 continues to go from weakness to weakness. What a year! What a year! So we had a trilogy of events recently. My daughter's fifth birthday, half term. I took her away to cause in Greece. So me, my wife, my two-year-old son, and my daughter. Uh, her birthday, her fifth birthday, was on the Friday. A couple of years ago, we took her to the Dominican Republic in late October. I'll tell you what, what a bargain that holiday was. It was unbelievably cheap. Turns out there was a hurricane because it's hurricane season. So on her third birthday, we went to a hurricane in the Dominican Republic. (laughs) We had to be evacuated from the hotel and go to the other side of the island. Uh, This holiday, I took her to an earthquake. Of course I did. Uh, responsible Parenting 101. So I think next year we're going to be looking at a plague of locusts for her sixth birthday. So I'm in. I'm, I'm over in cars. I'm outside. The kids are actually in the apartment. We're on this ground floor apartment. Uh, so I'm on the balcony outside. and I'm, Because the kids are sleeping, because it's lunchtime, it's like half twelve. My two-year-old's sleeping. Five-year-old's nodding off on the bed. Um, I'm just outside on my... On my own having a beer and i'm looking at the ipad and i'm looking at the bookie bashing tracker there was actually a moment where lee's been entering all this new functionality for the new version of the trackers so the horse racing tracker you've got like sparklines and EV history and stuff like that well um he, he he put them in but then there was a database lookup problem and it was causing the Live tracker to slow down and do weird things. It was a scrolly circle, but it was like multiple scrolly circles. And I just like sat looking at it on the iPad and it was really... It was odd. It was not something that you expect to see. And I'm staring at it. I'm thinking, that's really weird. Like the multiple scrolly circles is really weird. It's just... It, it looks really weird. It feels really weird. This feels really weird. Oh! It, hold on. The feeling that's really weird isn't the bookie bashing site just being a little bit buggy for the second. No, the world's moving. And what was weird, because I was outside, I didn't have a frame of reference. I don't know. I, I Was it an earthquake in Birmingham in, was it the late 90s or the early 2000s? I remember um, the walls, the shelves rocking backwards and forwards. So you've got a frame of reference. But when you're outside, you don't have that frame of reference. Um, other than my seat was like going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And I was like, you stare around. It was it was a big one. It was 6.9 on the Richter scale. Although the earthquake was in... Closer to Turkey than it was to us. There was a lot of damage in Turkey. There's a little three year old girl who was trapped under rubble for four days. There was none of that in cars. So no no one was hurt, but it was odd. And I looked across I said, I can't believe this happening. It was only until I saw like a tsunami in the swimming pool, if you know what I mean. Like not a big, huge, dangerous tsunami. I just saw a massive wave lap over the side of the swimming pool. I'm like, oh my God, it's an earthquake. So I jumped over the railings. And I'm stood around. I'm like, I'm kind of looking for other people to copy what they do so I know what to do. And then I'm suddenly looking at the building. I better get my kids outside. Like, what if the building comes down? Because I can see it moving in front of my eyes. And I thought, well, is anyone else rushing in for their children? Like, well, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Well, li- I'm going to go and get mine. And so I turned back, jumped back over the railing of the balcony. And by the time I'd got into the apartment, the earthquake stopped. So, had the building come down, I would have been too late to save the kids, which actually did genuinely leave me with a little bit of guilt on how slowly I reacted to the situation um but fortunately, no one in our family hurt, no one in cause was hurt no buildings a couple of buildings came down nearby, but there was no one hurting them, but Turkey got hit quite badly it was just a it was very strange it was a really, really strange thing, so yeah, we've gone from hurricane to earthquake and the next time the bucky bashing returns that little scrolly circle i'm going to check twice whether what i'm feeling is weird as the screen or the physical environment around me then um oh we bought a car in august and it is now the 12th of november and the car still hasn't been delivered to us yet Okay, actually, it has been delivered to us three times and broke down every single time. Every single time this car has been delivered to us, it's broken down on the motorway and it's had to go back. And it's, okay, first of all, problems, I know, but it is irritating because it's like you sawn your existing car and then you cancel the insurance and then they tell you that your new car isn't going to be delivered, so you've got to go through the kerfuffle faffage of cancelling all of that and getting the insurance. We've had to go through that three times so far. It's just the excitement's worn off a little bit, to tell you the truth. So I'm not going to moan too much about that. But then we're all moving house on Monday. It's a Thursday now, and so there's no food in the fridge. We've cancelled the cleaners. We're bars and the hoody hoos. And yesterday we found out that 120 hours, three working days, before we're all gonna move, the chain collapses. Yep, three days before we move, uh, and we sold the house back in February. We've already had one collapsed chain, although they had the dignity of collapsing the chain at least uh, a month or so before the moving date. This one was set in stone. Everyone's ready to go on Monday, and then three days beforehand, one person decides he's not going to go, and the whole chain collapses. I know, first world problems, I've got a house to live in, but do you know what? Here's genuine, genuine frustration about this. Our dishwasher broke in the middle of the summer. Now, who cares about a broken dishwasher? You get a new dishwasher. Dishwashers are nothing. Like, well, the are 200, 300 quid. Dishwashers cost less than a single horse winning returns for me. So I don't care about the cost of the dishwasher. But what I knew was that the people moving into the house were going to get a new kitchen. They're idiots, by the way. The kitchen in my current house is a selling point. It's a beautiful oak kitchen why you would want to rip that out no one knows but doesn't matter i don't care what they do to the house they're gonna they're gonna get a new kitchen fine but if you're gonna get a new kitchen i'm not gonna fit a new dishwasher when i'm moving house so for the last two maybe three months jen and i have been washing dishes by hand in the sink All right okay, I'm now officially overusing the net net nah sound effect I'll I'll rain back on that but I mean who who would buy a new dishwasher when you're selling house and the new people aren't are just gonna throw the dishwasher in the bin. you wouldn't do it. but you hold on to the dream of moving house and then the chain collapses so we're gonna have Christmas here. That'll be fine. We'll just um we'll have Christmas here. Nothing that I've said is 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 in any way significant in the grand scheme of things. You know, the earthquake was very minor in terms of the risk that it posed to us. The car will eventually be here, and we have a car anyway, and we do live in a house and have food, but we don't have a dishwasher. And this is typical 2020. Uh, Looks like the start of um, the Masters is delayed by thunder and lightning. So uh, I can get my preamble in um, before the first tee. Who is on the first tee, by the way? Corey Connors, Lucas Glover, and CT Pan. There has to be an element of the guys going out early just before, just after the thunderstorm, or after the disadvantage, and when the weather is calmer later, um, a little bit more of an advantage. I, went on, I tried to go to Betfair to see if the. Um, the guys going out first, second, third, fourth, We're drifting. I mean, to be fair, Sandy Lyle's out second, so he can't drift anymore. He's no no lay price on the exchange. I was talking to someone, what do you reckon he would be? Do you reckon if you had infinite pounds, would you lay him at 100,000 to one? Probably. I can't see how he would win more than one time in ever. I don't know if there's anything, If if ever there was a zero chance of somebody winning. Um some notables though, T number 10, uh, sorry, T number 1 2 3 4 starting on the 10th tee is Bryson DeChambeau and John Ram with Louis Hazen as well. So they're out quite early. Patrick Reed and Xander Shaw um was out quite early and when I was doing the narrowing down of the selections to monitor the Performance of the golf tracker i had a bit of a quandary because 67 players were plus ev in the field right 67 players um at one bookmaker or another out of the 92 that are starting are positive ev now that makes it pretty tricky to narrow down to a reasonable i mean you could cover them all but um, you're going to take heavy losses if the other 30-odd are the people that fill the top 10, um, probably unacceptably heavy losses. It's not a, it's not a negative EV strategy, but it's a difficult one to manage the variance of. So um, um, one of the things that I had a look at was measuring... Oh, sorry, identifying who's going out close to this inclement weather. And that did actually help, Um, well, at the top of the field, it helped me when I was flipping a coin um, between the two guys. So when we did the uh, ranking where uh, we sort of put a scale together for driving 300-plus yards, recent birdie scoring, and strokes gained putting because um, the greens at Augusta are outrageous. Uh, They don't even let anyone with... On the greens with a stint meter, but they say that they are up there with the absolute fastest greens on the entire tour. Um, then, you know, you get the guys at the top of the field that are usually there Bryson, Rory, Brooks, Xander um Jason Cockrack was actually one of the highest scores, even though he's over 100. Um, Scottish Scheffler, Adam Scott, Matthew Wolf, Tony Finnell, and Tyrell, you can leave your hat on. Um, so out of those, uh, just not so interested in the, most of the higher odds guys, reason being in the last few years, the winning odds in the US Masters. Well, nobody, no real huge outsider has won it for some time. The last few years were 14 to 1, 50 to 1, 40 to 1. 50 to 1, 10 to 1, 25 to 1, 28 to 1, 50 to 1. So no 100 to 1, 200 to 1 Sandy Lyles or anything winning. It's kind of helped cross off the big guys. I mean, people like Max Homer, uh, Land- um, no, Sebastian Munitz have been um, really huge EV, but their EV is all in the play side of things. Um, it's, very, it's so very unlikely that they're actually going to win the event. Um, in terms of the favourites, the guys that were not standing out were John Rahm, Justin Thomas, and Dustin Johnson. So I was trying to like have a way up between these four favourites, Brooks Koepka, Xander Schauffele, Rory, who was the highest scorer out of everyone in my ranking, and Bryson, who, whilst he's going to be able to overcome the fairways, may struggle with his putter on these really hard greens, and that's what it's going to come down to. So I think I dismiss Bryson because of his putter. Um, and Xander and Rory were really a coin flip and I originally put Xander in and then saw that he was out on the um, fifth group with Jason Cockrack and Henrik Stenson so Jason Cockrack managed to stay in because he was just scoring highly everywhere his EV was good enough Xander's EV was only just over 100% as was Rory's but the reason I went for Rory is that Rory is in the third last group a couple of hours after Xander Schauffele, and that's really going to make a difference if uh, the storms are still abounding around um, for Xander and not for Rory. So I swapped them around at the last minute. So I had Rory, Jason, um, Tyrell, you can leave your hat on, at Tony for now, and Max Homer being my only long-shot guy. Um, it was between him and... Land- and- sebastian minutes, um but 67 guys to be plus ev how would you narrow that down well in all honesty don't overthink it it's one of those things it's like normally we've got a puzzle to put together there's no real puzzle about how to place long-term positive x to equity bets when you're getting 11 places 10 places and nine places because there's 67 people that are Plus EV, you really can overthink this, and I wouldn't. I think it's one of those where don't spend too much time worrying about it. It's a lot. I'd spend way more time uh, worrying about uh, on say the Bermuda Open or the BMW Championship, which is a little bit more difficult to uh, ensure that you've got a good group of plus EV players. Here, you can really just pick a few out and just run with them. You know, however much of the field you are. Choose how much of the field you want to cover. I think I've covered 15% in this tournament. Uh, and then just go with them. Um, um, and don't blink twice if you, if, if you bust out completely. And don't blink twice and think you're a genius if you hit the winner. Because, you know, 70% of the field was plus EV. So it's not difficult um, picking a good bet. One other thing, actually, was the... Um the exchanges could have been taken advantage of. Um, not easily, but there was really definitely really random things going on in the exchanges. Sorry, let me click through to where I've got my numbers. So I did an analysis of um, the place markets on Monday at 2 p.m. As um, the place markets formed, God knows why Betfair leave it till Monday to put the place markets up. But £1.5 million traded on the winner market, whether... Um, you know, all the way back to in February or the whole year that winner market is up, and yet on the Sunday before the Masters, there's still no place market. Is doesn't seem to be the cleverest business plan. I had a look at the place markets, of which there is a top five, a top ten, a top twenty, and a top eight on the exchange. Why would they do a top eight? Other than to cater for the arbitrage players, right? Um, top twenty, I don't think there's going to be many arbitrage players in that. Top five and top ten. Well, let's have a look. When those markets went up, um, the top five market now. Top five market, if it's perfectly efficient, runs at a five hundred percent. Okay, um, you've got five players in there, and um, if you take the reciprocal of the each of those odds of the players that are in there, and add them all up. If there's only going to be one person being paid out or one winner, it's 100%. In a top five market, it's 500%. In a top ten market, it's a thousand percent. Bookies they create markets about 110, 120%, or in a top five, it would be 530, 540, 550%. That, that's their profit, that's the markup, that's the juice, right? Um, well, on Monday on the exchange, the top five market was 469%. And what that means is that um, there was an underround, not an over round. And that's because there is bias, Um. There are more people in that market um, who are taking really bad prices, and that's causing the sum of all of the probabilities to uh, be skewed by quite a lot at 469%. By Thursday 11 a.m., just before first tea it was 497%, so it would pretty much come to an efficient market. The top 10 on Monday, so this has to equal a thousand percent in an efficient market 958 so it's it completely twisted and biased 958 percent 2 p.m on monday a thousand and forty percent which is more likely what we'd see on thursday at 11 a.m what about the top eight and top 20 well they didn't really form on monday but just before the first T, the top eight seven hundred and eighty nine percent again that means that the market's you can make a profit just by backing everyone in there if you can get the price the top 20 is normal 2063 percent why because the layers aren't touching that all the layers are backing at the eight places nine places ten places and eleven places and they're laying off in the top five and the top eight and the top ten places to either create extra place shots where they if they hit one of them they they perceive that um that there's a better payout because they've Backed at top ten, laid at top eight. They've taken a qualifying loss. I mean, the EV of what they're doing—they by paying commission, they're just giving free money away. Um, the only thing that is benefiting them is they can stake a little bit higher than normal. But um, in doing so, in my opinion, there's this meta game where they're they're destroying um, the availability of the value. They're just doing bad things. These are bad people. They should. Um, the strategy. Should, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, it does make sense. But the, the main problem that we have with it is that um, if everyone does it, we have the tragedy of the commons. This is the problem, right? You, you know, once everybody has started manipulating the markets and extracting the money out of the bookmakers, too many people are doing it and then um, it all goes away. Um, and there's the max bet problem that you have with the arbitrage players and the extra place players um so whilst it's not a negative ev strategy one person doing it one time uh, the bigger picture the globality of it all the whole max bet thing sort of ruins it so um if you're savvy enough i think on all of the exchange oh, majors sorry Um, but certainly the Masters and definitely next year, the Masters next year is only going to be six months away or five months away. Um, Spare those numbers in mind. If you want to have a look at the exchanges, you're getting 958% on the top 10 on Monday and it's 1,040% on the Thursday. What that translates to is you can probably get pretty nice back prices, so pretty high back prices and pretty low lay prices if you're willing to be a trader on those exchanges, um, and maybe even if it's um, if the gap's efficient, take a stab and think and do some maths and go, this guy is just the wrong price because people are laying him. That's why, you know? Uh, and if you can just be a little bit patient and wait until Thursday in the top five, the top ten, and the top eight markets, those markets all improved, Um until the Thursday, that the top 20 is just a normal market and probably can be ignored a little bit. Did I take advantage of it? No, because I don't have a Betfair account. If I had done, I probably would have ventured in and tried to make a little bit of money. It definitely doesn't seem to be difficult. One to keep an eye out in the next Masters uh, in the spring of
1: 2021. <laughs>
0: Who has not been amazed to learn that the function of y equals e to the power of x, like a phoenix rising again from its own ashes, is its own derivative? Before we come to that, to that. Ollie Watkins, the Aston Villa strikers, now up to six goals in seven games. Um, only Patrick Banford. Uh, Harry Kane, Mo Salah, DCL, Jamie Vardy and Son are ahead of him in the goals scored um, league. Could he have the most amount of goals scored in the season? Well, they doesn't seem to think so. 46 and 44, there's liquidity at both of those prices. But um, he's definitely netting a few. So he came up against um, Arsenal away from home as well, on last Sunday, the 8th of November, it was the evening game. And very early in the day, we put a chart up, um, we had 0.66 expected goals for Mr. Obemiyang, but 0.35 goals for Mr. Ollie Watkins, that came from the traded places, on the AGS on the market. So that's not our XG. That's just what the AGS, that's just what the wisdom of the crowds are saying. And there was no 2+, and 3+, weirdly, because Betfair are just odd with what games they put that up for. But if you reverse-engineered the AGS to XG and then extrapolated forward to 2+, and 3+, we had a little bit of value for Ollie Watkins... We had him the two plus anyway. Uh, if I just go and have a look at the records from the 18th, I know he was 18 to one to back. What did we have him for the fair odds on Sunday night? We had variously between 16.2 and 18.8 on the records. I put always put up the pessimistic price if we if we have multiple fair odds or the fair odds are dynamic and drift. So to try and be fair, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's only counting Evie anyway. The only thing that makes a difference in the results table is the back odds. But um, uh, I put up the most pessimistic fair, which was 18.8. He was 18 to 1 at multiple bookmakers. Um, but everyone had their eyes on, if you looked at the boosts and things like that, everyone had their eyes on a Aubameyang, how many are Arsenal going to score against um, Aston Villa. And this is really where you're sort of reliant on the wisdom of the crowds, you know. Everyone's shaping the home draw away market to within an inch of their life, but there are all these secondary and periphery markets which are not necessarily following suit because it's not where the weight of money is. Right? The arbitrage players make sure that the no one can be have a back price above the exchange price with the amount of liquidity there but the other markets aren't like that whether there was no two plus or three plus markets or whether it was completely illiquid it doesn't really matter it's relevant in this game what we know is that early door and all day throughout the day um watkins was value what i would like to know if we can get xg for every player on the pitch can we then get f well we can we can get we can get then get first goal scorer by normalizing and summing to one and then you've just got your your probability of the player scoring first the difficult thing is getting um XG for everyone on the pitch. We've sorted out uh, an API for team news. What's hard is working out the uh, XG and the AGS for the guys that never score, the defenders and things like that, because it's not zero. I mean, if you're on the pitch, your XG isn't zero, but it needs to be taken into account and you can't just say it's not No, 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 no. One. Anyway, I digress. That That's coming soon. We're going to have this whole AGS thing soon. But we had the heads up on Watkins. Um, Saka got an own goal uh, for Arsenal I actually think I was on him for FGS as well on that match but I was also on Watkins to get a couple um, so that put Oggy, um put Villa up and at half time and after 70 minutes it was still Oggy in one nil so you've got that um, you've got that angle there that edge there I, I always remember hitting my first one where you can overstake you can back no goal scorer to be the first goal scorer of the match, you can lay nil-nil and if you're lucky enough to hit the 200 to one shot and you have the right circumstances and the right patience then you can technically have a big payday for no risk. Uh, first time I ever did it was a Manchester United match, I couldn't watch the injury time because of course any goal kills it at injury time. Um, it came in for a couple of grand, uh, and then I, I went out to Fun Loving Criminals that evening and spent all the money at the bar for everyone because I had too much to drink. Not all the money, but way too much. You know when you wake up the next morning, I could have done better things with that money instead of buying random strangers' drinks because of an Augie 1-0. Well, Augie 1-0 was on um, Aston Villa versus Arsenal, but then Ollie Watkins got his goal in the 72nd minute, assisted by Barkley. Three minutes later, Grealish puts Watkins through um, uh, for his second of the match. Oli Watkins said it was unbelievable to score against the team he supports. As his double helped Aston Villa claim an impressive victory at Arsenal to move up to, can you believe sixth in the Premiership, above Everton, above Wolves, four places above Manchester City and Arsenal, uh, above Newcastle. At least we're still above Manchester United. So <laughs> United are so bad. Um, so I think I'm, well, Ollie Watkins, he's one of those players, he seems to be underpriced uh, with a lot of potential. I mean, he didn't he get a brace against um, Liverpool as well when Aston Villa obviously beat Liverpool 7-2 earlier in the season? I heard a brilliant start about that, by the way. Since Liverpool have won the, won the Premiership, which team has led in the most amount of goals? The answer is Liverpool. Uh, I wonder if that's ever happened before. I mean, there hasn't been that many games. I mean, Liverpool have only played eight games, but um, the, the team in the premiership that has led in the most amount of goals since Liverpool won the title is Liverpool. So the clunky thing about the AGS model that we have, um, where we're extrapolating and trying to find value in two plus and three plus is that it really suits being live. Uh, it suits, because right now, let me tell you, I set up all the two plus and three plus markets early in the day, uh, but in terms of tracking the trading on the exchange, I, I can't do that live. You need to be downloading the data every 30 seconds to do it live. It needs to be done. It needs to be automated. So I'll do it a couple of minutes before kickoff, and then I'll go away and do have a look at all the different request bets and the your odds, and the what's odd paddies, and the pick your punts, and any other pick your punts. It's pleasing, isn't it? And then um, anything else that's around. And then if I have time... Maybe 20, 15 minutes before kickoff, I'll I'll refresh the data for Anytime Goal Scorer and Reverse Engineer XG from that. And often it can change quite a lot as the smart money comes in. It really is dependent on the formation of Team News. So what we need there is we need that process automated. We need Team News to feed in through an API so we get rid of the guys that are substitutes because there's a lot of bookmakers where your AGS Price car- continues in play despite the fact that your guy may only be playing half an hour or whatever. We need uh, the calculation to consider the assumed number of minutes played on the pitch. We know if Aguero's half-fit, he may be playing but maybe coming off at 60 minutes which has a definitive effect on whether he's going to score in the second half or, or not. And then extrapolate it out really to the 2-plus and the 3-plus where the angles and the edges are because they're quieter markets and people aren't hitting them. And also the head scored, right? Um, where we're looking at relevant data. By relevant, I mean previous season, as long as the team hasn't been relegated or promoted. Relevant data from the previous season and the number of shots with the head. Uh, we could look at goals, but you're really reducing the sample size so much. It's better to say, look, this guy had 100 shots over the season, 50 were with his head. He's got 50% of his shots are going to be headers, or 50% of his goals might be headers if he's a, if he has an average conversion rate. I mean, there are some people who are pretty good with their head, Virgil van Dijk, and some people maybe who are pretty not so good with their head, like Sterling, perhaps there needs to be a slightly improved subjective rating that needs to be added in to the headers analysis that says, okay, this 50% of this guy's shots are with these headers, but most of them go in. Most of Virgil van Dijk's headers are just bullets right off the top of his forehead into top bins. So um, I think that's the next step for the header thing. The 2 plus and 3 plus, it just seems completely and utterly manipulatable by us against the bookmakers. We'll see where we go with that. Um... Then, the next issue I had about these secondary markets that we can take advantage of, because they're quieter, um, was how do we work out, I don't want to back, I don't want to lay it on a single price that I know is the fair odds of all of the different markets from the Matches to both teams to score, to the team to win an over-one goal, team to win over-two goals, team to win over-nine goals. Um, both teams to score in both half and over 44 goals in the game. All of these things, I wanted to know the um, ferrons of them. So this was the reason for building the game centre, where we were able to... We can build a correct score market. And the correct score market gets built by some inputs. And essentially, we're just working out all the correct scores up to you know, uh, until there's about a 0.0000001% chance of that correct score hitting, and then we stop counting at that point. Um, So to build the correct score market, we needed to know the Poisson distribution is the first thing, the over 2.5 chance is the second thing, but the third thing is what is the nil-nil price? Nil-nil price isn't quite using... a normal Poisson distribution um, to work out the chance of under one goals given or exactly zero goals given a mean. Um, It's a little bit more complicated than that. And I found the answer. And a lot of kudos has to go out to the Bet Angels guys for this. But it was that quote at the beginning of this section who has not been amazed to learn that the function of y equals e to the power of x, like a phoenix rising from its own ashes, it's its own derivative. Um, E, what is special about Euler's number? Well, Euler's number, e to the power of xg, or at least e to the power of negative xg, gives us the probability of nil-nil. Why does nil-nil move around on the exchange? Because XG moves around. But if you can follow XG, which we can, then it's just about interpreting nil-nil from XG. And if you've got nil-nil, then you've got the rest of the correct score market. Roughly, everything over 2.5 goals. We have the part on distribution. Underneath this, we have... Euler for the nil-nil and then a redistribution, a weighted redistribution of the parcel distribution. Essentially what this is given us in the game center is we can get the correct score market for any game. Why is that useful, you might ask? I can see the bet the correct score market on Betfair. Ha ha You can't see the correct scores for six six, can you? Or seven two? They're too liquid. And you can't see the correct score in an the- effect. Um, outside of big premiership games because they're inefficient. You've got a lay, a last price matched, and a back. Uh, Which one of those are you going to take for your precise fair odds? You can't take an average. It doesn't work. You need to know the exact. And once we've got the exact, we can just add them up to get anything to get both teams to score in in the first half to get team to win to nil, to get team to win both halves, which is a very common boost. So we got it now. We do need to add it into the Game Center in the second version, which is going to be coming up, and then have a way of picking a game from that. But once the algorithms are all in place and the process works and the testing, more importantly, has been completely successful. We've tested this nil-nil with our XG. Have a look at this. Listen to this. Um, We make uh, nil-nil Manchester United versus Arsenal. We made it 16.65. Last price match was 16.5. Tottenham-Brighton, 19.11. Last price match was 19. Celta Viga Sociedad, 10.52. Last price match was 10.5. Granada Levante. 11.1, 11.1, last price match was 11. Valencia-Gataf, we made it 7.24, last price match was 7.2. So, it's really, in every game, Napoli, 24.5, last price match was 25. Roma, 27.6, last price match was 28. In every single example that we checked, close to kickoff, the last price match was the rounded version of what we were estimating. And um, on one side or the other. Um, and that means that we've cracked it. We just we just know what that nil-nil is. And therefore we know what the correct score market is in every game. It means that we could use this to trade correct scores on any game that we wanted. But more importantly, I think it's about seeding these ter- secondary markets. You know, if someone boosts a win uh, win both halves, we just, quite simply we just know exactly what the fair odds should be. Being able to pick a game from the drop down would be very useful because let's say they boost the Rangers Sociedad. I know some people, you want to know match odds and BTTS score of Rangers Sociedad in the Europa. You don't necessarily want to share the bet because you might not be able to go and get it for a few hours, which is totally understandable. Well, instead of having to put it up on the tracker with odds of 1.0 and a bookmaker of test, just go into the game centre and pick up the game and it'll tell you all of these different markets and all of the different win both halves, um, fair odds. Um, And if you happen to know that it's been boosted to 3 to 1 and you see that it's 3.5 on the fair odds, then you know that it's worth going out later on, getting your coat on, walking out in the rain. And if it's uh, 4.2 and they're only making it 3 to 1 later, then don't bother. But on top of this, and hopefully more important than boosts, I mean, really need to put boosts behind us a little bit in the future because um, boosts equate to state limitations and restrictions. Manipulating the standard market in bookmakers where the limits are a lot higher and the restrictions are a lot fewer now becomes easier in these secondary and tertiary markets due to the fact that we simply know everything and we can keep adding to this. But by knowing the correct score market exactly for every odds up to 10 million to one, then we can just add them all together, work out exactly what it is that we need. That's enough rambling for the first half. You are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by bookiebashing.net. Never heard a
1: word Nothing ever got to say Some people chose to understand Music is now my escape And keep it dancing
0: bruskagin from the album Rain Before Sunset EP released in 2020 in the bookie bashing news. Okay, let's revisit that story that we discussed last week about the gentleman Andy Green, 53, from Lincolnshire who in January 2018, nearly three years ago, was playing the Frankie de Tori Magic 7 Blackjack game. We covered this last week. I said I hadn't played it last week. I have now, uh, and I've looked a little bit more in depth. And there is more to this story than we covered last week, or covered in the last episode. And is this going to change our position on it? So what we covered, what we knew last week or last episode was that Mr. Andy Green was playing this blackjack game and won a jackpot of one point seven one million seven hundred twenty-two thousand nine hundred twenty-three pounds and 54 pence. He won this in the blackjack game. I presumed it was some... Sort of rolling jackpot that he'd won. Um, placed a few more sports bets, placed a few more, played a few more games. Tried to withdraw it. BetFred director called him saying there had been a software glitch, uh, and offered him a token of goodwill of thirty thousand. But he's not allowed to talk about it. They increased it to sixty thousand. He declined and is trying to sue them for the entire amount. So I was thinking, well, what kind of glitch could this be? Now, I had wrongly presumed that the glitch was that there was a jackpot of sorts, a sort of community or rolling jackpot that the game must have said that he had won through either random chance or uh, um, hitting some combination within the game uh, and that he wasn't the winner or there was some reason why he wasn't to be allowed to have those winnings. Now, I've logged on and played the game. In fact, I've got it in front of me now. This is standard blackjack. You can play up to three hands. So let's play a pound on all three hands, shall we? There we go, I've done it. And underneath the three hands, there is a secondary game called the Magic 7 game. So I'm gonna put a pound in each of those as well. So I've got six pounds down on the table. Let's deal, okay? 20 right so i've got here um 20 against the dealer's jack so i will stand 16. i've got 16 against the dealer's jack so i have to hit 26 First, and I, and i've got soft 13 so i'll hit that 19. and i've got soft 19 so i'll stand that dealer 20. gets 17. three and a you four win. for 17. now did you hear that noise you win. when the dealer turned over the three? What happened there is there was a trophy card. Randomly cards are trophy cards. They've got a little blue trophy on top of them. And that means that the secondary game that I was playing picked up a trophy card. What does one trophy card mean? It means I qualify again. I need to have three trophy cards in a row without losing a hand to be paid... Even money. Let's see if I can get one. I mean, it's now negative EV for me to stop, so I'm going to re- repeat and deal. Uh, I've got 10 against the dealer's 10. We'll hit that. 12, 12 against dealer's 10. 19, 14. 19, there we go. we stop 19, there. We'll stop on 19. 14,
1: 14. 24. Bust.
0: 13. 22. Bust. Okay. So I beat him on two hands. I lost on one, But what you will have heard there was that there were no trophy cards that came, which meant that all my pounds from the first game carried to the second game. They've now lost. Had I won that and then won the third hand, I would have been paid evens. Then I would have been paid seven to one for four in a row. If uh, I, I win five in a row without losing, it's 14 to one, six in a row, 24 to one, seven in a row, 70 to one. Can you believe, by the way, and I promise you, the very first time I opened this game to test out what was going on in this game to look further into the story, I actually got seven in a row and I got paid out at 70 to one. I thought there might have been a software glitch in this game because 70 to one straight off the bat. Now, if you get seven in a row, two rounds in a, in a row, if that makes sense. So seven trophy cards come out without losing and then it resets to zero and it happens again. You get paid out at 7,777 to 1. Okay? Right. That's how it works. There's no community jackpot. There's no rolling huge windfall that's going to come your way. Mr. Green, Mr. Andy Green, won £1,722,923.54. Now, they won't all have been from winning the trophy jackpot but even let's just say he won that trophy seven trophies in a row two rounds consecutively which is the maximum payout of 7777 he would have had to have been playing 200 pounds on the bonus to have got a payout i'm going to assume he wasn't playing £200 on the bonus there. Because that's quite a big bankroll you'd be needing to be playing £200 on this negative EV bonus game. Uh, He wasn't playing £200 on this negative EV bonus game. So how did he win the £1.7 million? The lawyer explained in the court that there were trophy cards which dramatically increase a player's pot, which we know about. We've just played it. When trophy cards come out, Three hands in a row, we could win evens up to 7,777 to one. My learned friend, James Cousier, for Betfred, talks about this one lucky event. The defect in the game that Mr Andy Green was playing was that at the end of the hand, the trophy cards were not being reset. These trophy cards were meant to be quite rare. I mean, you just saw me play... A hand there, played three hands against the dealer. There must have been uh, 15 or so cards came down the table. Not one was a trophy card. But when Mr. Green was playing, the trophy cards weren't being reset. So, you know, what's meant to happen is there's a given number of trophy cards in each hand, and they're reset afterwards. Um, but because of this defect, the trophy cards weren't being reset. More and more trophy cards were entering... The deck, that three of clubs stayed as a trophy card. And when the three of hearts comes out, if that's a trophy card, it stays as a trophy card. The, 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 the cards don't reset away from being trophy cards. It's meant to be that the next time that three of clubs came down, it wasn't a trophy card, but no, it always was. It's been sooner or later, all 52 cards in the deck become a trophy card. When this happened, when this glitch happened to Andy Green, he then played for an hour and a half where all the cards were trophy cards. Um, He kept on winning 7,000 times his stake. Uh, Had he continued playing for another hour or another hour and a half he would have been closer to 50 or £500 million. Pounds. And the only reason, the council said, that he didn't win £500 million pounds is because he stopped playing. I have to say that's very clever by Mr Andy Green because you know you're not going to get paid £500 million. As long as he was playing, his number was going up and up and up. He could eventually win 7,000 times his stake as many times as he chose to. And that is why Andy Green played the Blackjack game and won £1.7 million. Because that glitch, when that three of clubs came out as a trophy card for me, then, when it goes back into the deck, it's got to stop being a trophy. It didn't stop being a trophy. Sooner or later, every card, or the majority of cards anyway, are these trophy cards, and you keep on winning that Magic 7 bonus. That was the glitch. Given that... We now know what happened in this game and the reason why Mr. Andy Green won so much money on essentially just a normal blackjack game. What do we think? Do we think that now he's a scammer and shouldn't be paid? Do we think that Betfred are now exonerated of responsibility and do not owe this man some money? No, no. uh, This still isn't Mr. Andy Green's fault. It's not his fault fault that all the cards that came out were trophy cards now can you imagine he must have figured out that this was a glitch he must have known it was a glitch when it was playing it would have been obvious it would have been obvious that this bonus is just paying out hand after hand after hand it must have been a really interesting time period for him hour and a half because when he must have noticed that the glitch was occurring and that free money was falling into his lap. He must have had the thought, well, I've got to keep on going to maximise the amount of money I could take out of this. But there has to be a point where I'm taking the piss so much I'm definitely not going to get paid. And he's right. Had he gone to 500 million, or he could, he could have kept on playing until he had more money than the net worth of the entire Betfred brand which means there's no money to claim at that point. Um, there must have been. There must be something in the T's and C's of Sky Casino or the different sites about the ma- a maximum payout. Uh, I would be very surprised if in a normal game or just over a series of games, you could get more than a few million out of Bedford outside of it being a progressive or community jackpot. Had I been playing, I think about 1.5 to 2 million is about the point I would have stopped as well. I think I would have kept on going past a million. I definitely think I would have stopped that before five million. Probably about 1.7 sounds right. I might have. Maybe there is something in the T's and C's that says you can't win more than two million. They've got to protect the liabilities from insane hot streaks. Um, it would have been an interesting period of time. He probably had like, the T's and C's up on one computer. Or he was taking advice from somebody. Um, now that he won that 1.7 million, he should be paid it. Uh Yeah, he didn't win it. There was an error in the game. Yeah, the T's and C's do say that the customer has the liability of the risk of software glitches. But in all honesty, he was playing the game fairly. He wasn't manipulating the game. He wasn't adding anything to it. He wasn't changing the codes. He wasn't doing anything. He he just was presented with an opportunity and he maximized it uh, to his ability. If there is a max payout at Betfred Casino of a million or whatever, give him the million. Okay, um, if there isn't anything like that, I think it's, it's one of those. The bet Fred, bet Fred Dunn has to put his hands up in the air and say, God, we really made a mistake here. We're probably going to be able to claim some money from Playtech. Um, uh, there, there should be something written into the contractual agreement between the two companies that if something goes wrong, the liability and the risk falls with one of them. But as far as Mr. Andy Green is concerned, fair play term. If my mate had done that, I'd want my mate to be paid out. If a bookie basher had done that, I would want a bookie basher to do that. If a random guy on Facebook had done that, I would want the random guy on Facebook to be paid out. If I'd done it, I would want me to be paid out. And because it happened to Mr. Andy Green, I want him to be paid out. The only two people I do not want to keep hold of the money are Mr. Fred Dunn and Playtech. Because it was their cock up, And so they should be responsible for giving that man his money.
1: Straight up.
0: Pay him. Pay that man his money. Right, let's have a little bit of fun at the end of this bashcast. I wanted to try something different, so let's um, see what we can do. Oh, by the way, before I do that, that doesn't click very well, does it? There we go. Cheers, the wine's open. I have a rule in lockdown it's my favorite lockdown rule and that is there is no time of the day where starting to drink and opening a bottle of wine is too early and there's no shame to be had it as well we've all got to get through it like we got to get through it i'm locked down at home i'm not one of these important people who are keeping the hospital open or anything like that and the gyms are closed so what am i going to do I'm gonna drink. Listen, this part of the bashcast, what I really wanted to do here was to uh, identify and kind of like show off. Look, if you know how to do this, I'm teaching you about to suck eggs and whatever. Like booyah for you. There are some people that don't though. Microsoft Excel is a good tool, but within it was a particularly useful tool called the random function, which builds which just returns a random number um between zero and one and you can then change that to between one and three or one and five with a little twist of mathematics and it's the basis of every Monte Carlo analysis analysis and is seriously useful in all modeling and betting and things like that. So at the end of the bashcast I, I wanted to plug it into Excel and do something with it. So I've got three topics. Uh, and I've plugged in the equation equals rand bracket bracket. Actually, I've got three topics, so I want a number between one, two and three, not a number between zero and one. So I've gone um rand bracket bracket, bracket times three and I've rounded it to be one, two or three. so equals round bracket rand bracket bracket times three comma zero, the zero being z- uh, zero decimal points. So that will return to me. One, two, or three. I'm rounding it up so it doesn't return zero. Um, So here's the three stories uh, I can finish the bashcast with, okay? or the three uh, bookie-bashing news items. Um, We have the recent announcement about the vaccination um, uh, for COVID-19. We have um, uh, a discussion about... What holidays I'm going to take next year, which is obviously the number that nobody wants it to land on. Nobody wants it to land on too, but to tell you the truth, actually, it's not as boring as that. We're going to have some fun. We're going to employ a random number generator, get Jen in the room, and we're going to go to whatever country it chooses for us. Uh, and number three, what was number three? Oh, it was the story of the murder and dismemberment that happened up the road. Now I... Not really bookie-bashing news, but because it happened not too far away from here, it's fascinating. So one is going to be the vaccine. Two is going to be my holidays next year. And three is going to be the murder and dismemberment. Are you ready to roll? It has landed on. Three, two, one. Number one, the vaccine. Probably my least favourite of any of the three of them to talk about. I really wanted to talk about the murder and dismemberment. And I really wanted to do the random number generator, which was first going to pick a continent, and then secondly going to pick an area, and then thirdly we were going to pick a country and we were going to be forced to go there. Instead, we're going to talk about the off of the Viagra adverts, and the fact that they have developed this new vaccine. Listen, you mad anti-vaxxers out there, aren't you wonderful? And Don't you see the world... It's very sideways and not as black and white as the rest of us. Look, I've got all the time in the world for you guys that don't take everything that you hear. You question things. You wonder if there's a background story going on. Because to tell you the truth, there often is. There often is a background story going on. I'm not necessarily saying we should all be conspiracy theorists, but just because we're told... One plus one equals two doesn't mean that we have to accept it until we've done our own empirical reasoning over that. Well, listen, for uh, it was great news the other day. They have identified a vaccine for the COVID-19 um, for people to take uh, in two doses, three weeks apart. And it protects 90% of the people from developing COVID symptoms. How happy about am I about this for my own children? I'm not. It doesn't matter. Children aren't at risk. They're way more at risk of flu, and I'm not worried about them catching flu. How, uh, how much am I worried about me? Um, I don't know. I'm quite. I'm, I'm, I don't really worry about my own health too much. I'm 42. I'm not exactly fit, but I'm not unfit either for 42. I've been fitter in my life and I've been healthier, but there are a significant amount of people who are less fit and less healthy than me. Um, So I'm not worried about myself. Who am I most worried, uh, happy about this for? It's our parents, or if you're under maybe 35, your grandparents, right? At the moment in time, my mum or my mother-in-law or the grandparents of my kids, they have to make a decision, um, uh, a non-informed, an uninformed decision at Christmas, do I risk seeing my grandchildren at Christmas, knowing that they've been mixing with other children in schools and could be asymptomatic? Do I risk seeing them and giving them a hug over Christmas, or do I choose not to see them? Now, it's not for me to walk into anybody's life and tell them how much risk they should employ for the benefit that like to their own life being over 70 and the health concerns that that may have over the benefit of uh, what life is worth living which for a lot of grandparents is seeing their grandchildren what a sucky choice and so i am delighted to hear that this vaccine is available not for my kids and not for myself but for for my parents, for the over 70s and for the over 80s and for the old folk that a lot of people are saying we should just sacrifice and let them, uh, you know, let them be lambs at the altar so that the rest of society cannot be locked down and um, economical sanctions do not apply. There's a lot of people out there that say that this, uh, they're not going to take this vaccine because um, what's the word? They're idiots. Yeah, they're, my my favorite meme is or JPEG or whatever is where they 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 post all of the different chemical names that are in something as if chemical names by themselves are scary. I mean, it's functional intelligence one o one where you can be yeah scared of something just because its long chemical name is written out in long form, yet you'll happily smoke 20 Benson hedges a day and it down with a McDonald's. Don't give these people two seconds thought. Don't. I, I, I'm sure you, you're not any of them, or you know any of them, and you wonder if half of them that you see on social media are trolling or not. But um, these people really shouldn't be allowed a voice. Um, uh, If you're concerned about it, do your own private research and have your own concerns behind closed doors. But allow my parents and my uh, wife's parents to continue on. Do you know what? That was a sucky segment. It was rubbish. I don't know why I wrote down the vaccination as one of the three options to talk about it. It would have been so much more fun if we drilled to a random country using a random number generator to go and see in the future. But, you know... If there's any feedback on this segment, whether you enjoyed it or not, you didn't, did you? Because I just talked about vaccine, but uh, do let me know. Uh, right, what sport is coming up? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm not actually going to look too much further afield. I'm going to look to tonight. which I, The reason I look further afield because I know people aren't going to listen to this until the weekend or next week. You've got lives, you've got things to do, you've got people to see they are more important than listening to me. But in all honesty, the most important thing coming up for me isn't the Women's Major Golf uh, LPGA Tour Championship at Tiburon in Florida. It's not the UK snooker championships at the York Barbican it certainly is not the men's artistic European championships for gymnastics in Baku in Azerbaijan that starts on the 9th of um, December it is 7.45pm tonight when Scotland play Serbia for a place in the Euro championships next summer, the Euro championships that were meant to take place this summer the last time, so you wouldn't believe this or not, especially if you're one of them youngsters, one of them under 40-year-olds, you wouldn't believe this, but Scotland used to be a staple of major championship appearances. I mean, they were in more World Cups than anyone in the 80s, 70s, 90s, European Cups. I mean, they, 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 they qualified to these things and then never got through the first round. The last major tournament they were in, in 1998, which was my second year of university, um, uh, they uh, only lost narrowly to Brazil, 2-1, and that was only by an own goal. They then drew with Norway, 1-1, and then any result against Morocco would have seen them into the next round, and they lost that 3-0. Typical fashion. Right? But tonight they play Serbia, a very good Serbian side. Um, uh, obviously, Mitrovic, the Fulham striker, is known to to uh, all great British football fans. And they are five to one. But if they get through, then they make it to the Euro Championships next year, which would just be unreal. It really will. So. Good luck to Scotland against Serbia this evening. It'll be a nice injection of cash. Because, to tell you the truth, 22 years without appearing in a major championships. is starting to hurt the coffers up at Scotland FA. I don't want to say it, but money does seem like it's too tight to mention north of the border. And so our win tonight could turn everything around. Money equals well it equals success. We can look forward to the World Cups, more qualifying campaigns, the Jules Rimet. Flower of Scotland will stand strong again, whatever it is that you're betting on. Do make sure it's value. It's Tom Saniak. Did the earth move fire? Nancy? Did the earth move fire?
1: Nancy? Did the earth move fire? Nancy? Did the earth move fire? Did the earth move fire so yeah!